Somebody give that hand clap to the Lord right now. Somebody lift up a shout of praise in the house right now. Somebody shouting to God with the voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Somebody shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You ought to lift up your voice on a Sunday morning. You ought to give God praise right now. You ought to clap your hands if he's worthy. Praise God. Praise God. So good to be in the house of the Lord. There's no place I'd rather be. Does anybody feel that way on a Sunday morning? Amen. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. While you're turning there, let me say what an honor it is to be in this this church and this house, I count it a distinct honor to be able to minister uh, this week here, this weekend, especially to the young people. We had such a good time Friday and Saturday. If you were there, you ought to, you ought to clap your hands about what God was able to do in this house. I'll say I had a good time. They had to listen to me preach, so. God was here this weekend. I believe God's still here. God's going to finish the work that he started. I believe we're going to have church this morning. Has anybody come for a move of God this morning? Did anybody come with expectation in your spirit that God's going to do something in your life? Did you come to leave different than you came on a Sunday morning? Praise God. Praise God. I want to give honor to your leadership, the youth pastor and his wife, so excited to be acquainted with them, just just the friendship that we've been able to build with them over the past couple months here. Uh, they're doing an awesome job. They're doing a phenomenal job here. Uh, Pastor uh, and Sister V, uh, that's so cool. I, if I have a if I have a pastor, I want a, I want a cool name like that. I want I want everybody to feel comfortable. I, we just feel at home here. We just feel like everybody's. There's just a loving spirit in this church. You go to a great church. You ought to clap your hands for that. We also want to give honor to Bishop and Sister Wilson in their absence. We haven't been able to meet them, but we're excited to, to continue to build the relationship that, that we've started here. I'm just glad to be in God's house. I'm just glad to be a part of the kingdom of God. It, it really doesn't matter what I'm doing. It just so happens today I'm preaching, but you'll find me oftentimes doing other things in the house of God. If I'm holding the door, I'm just glad to be here. Praise God. I'm glad they let me in. I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's get right into the word of the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Thankful that my wife and my family was able to travel with me. They are awesome people and having a great time. 2 Samuel 23 will begin reading in verse 8. The Bible says these be the names of the mighty men who David had the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Eznite. He lifted up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defiled the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave to the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him there was a man. That, uh, after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Harite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. The Lord wrought a great victory. For just a couple moments, I want to preach to you on this title. A defender of the ground. A defender of the ground. If you would, put your Bibles down. Lift up your voices all over this house right now. Somebody cry out to God. Somebody really lift up your voice right now. Somebody reach out to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right now.
Praise God. Praise God. Clap your hands one more time as you're seated. A defender of the ground. Second Samuel chapter 23 gives us some of David's last words. The chapter opens and says, now these be the last words of David, the man whom we know as the mighty king, parting words from one of the greatest men who ever walked the face of the earth. And as David looks back over his life and begins to recount all that he was able to do and able to see, his memory could have taken him back to a day when he was just minding his business, just doing what he did, tending the sheep. And all of a sudden there came a man by the name of Samuel with a horn of oil in his hand. And that day he would be anointed king. He could have talked about what it was like to kill the lion. He could have talked about what it was like to kill the bear. His mind could have placed him back in the valley where there stood a giant by the name of Goliath that tormented his people. The place where he would slay the giant and his anointing and his power would become public. He could have went back to all the rendezvous on the backside of the hill with God. He no doubt could have spent hour upon hour singing the songs that he was so blessed to have the ability to write. He could have got lost in all of his accomplishments, all of the wars that he won, all of the successes. After all, he was the author of the most quoted book, the book of the Psalms, the giant killer. Remember, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. But David, like most great leaders, didn't want to take the opportunity to highlight himself. But David chose some, to use some of his very last words to talk about his mighty men. A group of men that David raised up as pillars around his throne. Some 30 plus odd men who would ensure that the throne of David was stable. David trained them up in the arts and the exercises of war and set them as an example of conduct and of courage. Men who were instrumental to bring David to the crown and settle and protect him in the throne. David was saying, I know that everybody else will want to talk about everything that I was able to accomplish, but these brave and mighty men were key to a lot of my success. 2 Samuel 23 begins to detail the mighty men. He divides the men into three ranks. The first three who had done the greatest exploits, Adino who slew 800 men at once with his spear, Eleazar who smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and the Bible says that his hand clave to the sword. These men are at the very top of the list of David's mighty men. But today I want to talk about the third man mentioned in the text. The Bible says that the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils or beans. The Bible says that the people ran away from the Philistines. But there was a man by the name of Shama, who stood in the middle of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistine. This meaningless, this small, this insignificant piece of ground, Shama, what are you doing? You're wasting all of your time on this small piece of ground, this bean field. You're outnumbered. You just need to follow after everybody else. You need to follow after the crowd. You need to do what everybody else is doing. You need to just let them have it. You can be doing so many other things. It's not even worth anything. Why are you wasting your time? But Shama said, I know it seems small to you, but this is the ground that God has given me, and I'm going to defend it. I need a defender of the ground to rise up on a Sunday morning and get an attitude in your spirit that says, I'm not backing up. I'm not. Praise God. He says, I know it seems small to you, but it's mine. And I'm going to defend it. And scripture leaves out the details. But I believe that this was a continual effort for him. Day in and day out, he made a decision to either follow after the crowd or to spend his time defending the ground. In the face of the Philistines, all by himself, he would be ready to fight for the ground. 
The Bible says that he would set himself in the middle of the ground. We use the idiom all the time. You need to stand your ground. To stand your ground means to brace yourself and maintain your position during or when anticipating attack or to refuse to yield, to refuse to compromise, or to refuse to be belittled. And after everybody else left, that's exactly what Shama did. In spite of what everybody else was going to do, he was a defender of the ground. He says, I'll stand here all by myself because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I need somebody to get an attitude about the ground that God has given you. He said, I'm not backing up. I won't compromise. I will not be moved. This ground is worth defending. And I believe in the day that we live in, 2021, that there is still some ground worth defending. Does anybody believe that on a Sunday morning? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I think the first ground that we need to defend is the ground of our minds. This is the control center and the base of operations for all that we are, for all that we see, for all that we believe, and for all that we do. The first ground that the enemy is going to try to take is he's going to try to take ground in your mind. If he can take root and place in your mind, then the whole battle is lost. That's why he said it this way. He said you need the helmet of salvation. And Romans 12 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, what is that acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. And so the first thing that God does when somebody comes in the house of God is he wants to give you a renewed mind. Why? So I don't think like I used to think. He says, so that I may be able to prove what is that good and what is acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. And so God, hear me today, God gives us the power to identify when there are things that are encroaching on our ground. And when you get full of the spirit, you're able to decipher when there are things that don't belong on your ground. Or things that don't belong in your mind and in your thoughts. And you start taking control. You start saying crazy things like doubt, you've got to go. Fear, you've got to leave. Unforgiveness, there's no place for you here. I've got to defend this ground. Racism, you've got to get out of here. This is my ground and I'm going to defend it. You've got to get an attitude in your spirit that says, I've got some ground to defend. I've got to control my mind. Then you get a little more radical. When you start hanging out at the house of God, when you start hanging out with people that's got their mind on the right track, you start saying crazy things like, I can't listen to that anymore. I can't watch that anymore. I can't go there anymore. I've got to defend this crowd that God has given me. <laughs> and so the mind is such a powerful place. The mind is such a powerful place. One doctor talks about it this way. He says the first seven years of a child's life is the framing of the, of the child or the, the framing of the individual. They're the formative years. One, some people say it this way. They say, give me the child for seven years and I'll show you the man that he's going to be. 
And so this seven years is so important. This, these first formative years are so important. We've got small children. And I, 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 we, 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 children learn no matter where they're placed, they're going to learn from their environment. And so we're trying to create a culture of prayer in our home. And so we pray before every meal and we sit around the table, we hold hands and pray. If you want a good meal, if you want a sanctified Holy Ghost meal, you ought to come to my house. Because my kids won't let you get by without praying. Not only are, are, are they going to pray, but they're going to make mommy and daddy pray. And by the time it's over, everybody around the table has prayed. The food is cold, but the food is blessed. But they're learning these habits, right? This becomes habitual. They start learning the habits of how we live and how we operate. And they learn to come to the house of God. And they're learning all of these things just because of the environment that they were raised in. And I remember growing up, I remember growing up in really adverse circumstances and difficult situations and difficult places where we lived in the projects, we lived in the hood, if you would. We lived in rough situations. We didn't have a lot of money. And I remember growing up in these situations, but I had a mom that understood that I've got to put something in my boys that's beyond the place that we're standing. And my mom, what she would do is she would realize the situation that we were living in. And she would load us up in our little raggedy, beat-up car. And she would take us out of the hood. And she would drive us to the nicest parts of town. And I didn't understand what she was doing in the moment. But what she was doing was taking a small mind and stretching it out just a little bit beyond where we were standing. And she was saying, baby, I know we're living in this mess right now, but we're not always going to be here. You're going to be somebody in the kingdom of God. You're going to grow up. You're going to have a family in the house of God. You're going to... But it was all about the mind. It was all about the thoughts. It was all about her saying, I understand we're living in these circumstances, but we're going to stretch it out just a little bit. And we're going to start looking beyond the place that we're standing. That's so important in the house of God. That's why you got to come to church. You come to church so that the first thing, thing that you understand is what is good and what is bad. The second thing that you've got to understand is that the world is bigger than where you're standing. And God has more for you. And God has better for you. And God has bigger for you. And you've got to get out of the barbed wire and the box that you've been sitting in for a long time. Because God wants to do big things with you. And God wants to stretch you beyond your imagination. And God wants to help you get control of your mind so that you can think like he thinks. I think about that all the time. Think about getting in the car and singing those gospel songs and mama being really upbeat in, in really difficult circumstances. But that's why you got to learn how to praise God right where you are. In the dark times, you got to learn how to give God praise. You got to learn how to praise your way out of any situation. You got to learn how to praise your way out of any circumstance. You got to learn... You got to learn how to praise your way out. You got to teach your babies. I know it's difficult right now, but we're going to praise our way through this. We're going to magnify. We're going to worship the Lord. And I think about it all the time. She was probably saying in her mind, this hood is not my home. We just are passing through. And we started coming to the house of God and getting kingdom principles pouring into us. And I remember my mind just expanding and God just doing a work on my mind because you usually can only see what's around you. And so, so, so we had to start to get out a little bit. I remember when I first started driving and when I was growing up, like I said, we didn't have a lot of money. So if we were going to travel, we were going to travel somewhere where family lived at. We ain't staying in the hotel. 
So for the first 13, 14 years of my life, we didn't stay in hotels. And I remember getting in youth group and starting to get out a little bit and stay in some hotels. But when I turned 16, we lived in Birmingham. We're about two hours from Atlanta and three hours from Nashville. So I started driving to these different cities who were a lot bigger than where we were. And God started expanding my mind. And, and in Nashville, I stumbled upon this place. You may have been there yourself. Called the Opryland Hotel. Has anybody been there? I got a testimony in the house. So you got to get the picture. Young boy that comes from nothing. Never really been in hotels. Stepping my foot into the Opryland Hotel for the first time. Oh my goodness. I'm looking around and I'm, I'm paying attention to if you've never been there, you got to go. They got bodies of water, boats within the hotel, roller coasters, restaurants, malls, everything within this hotel. You ought to go. And so I used to go and park at the mall because you had to pay for parking at the hotel. So I would park at the mall and I would walk over to the hotel and just walk around. And it was crazy because it was expanding my mind. We're still talking about the mind. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. So I'm walking through this hotel, and you know what I see? This man, that's this doctor, he talked about there's a reason that the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. It's just lifestyle. It's just familiarity. It's just they've been around this. Kids that grow up in this, this, this lifestyle typically produce the same fruit. And so what I see in the hotel this day is I see small children walking around on their cell phones. You know why? Because it wasn't their first rodeo. They've been there before. And I'm going to tell you this. Exposure equals expansion. We're still talking about the kingdom. Exposure equals expansion. And as I begin to be exposed with a worldview that was bigger than mine, God started to expand my capacity. God started to stretch me out just a little bit more. God started to open up some things. The first thing that God wants to do when you come to the house of God is he wants to teach you good and bad. You might think that's elementary, but we got people that are calling good, bad, and bad, good. We've got boys that think they're girls. My God, am I in an apostolic church today? We so the first thing that the church does is by the word of God, it begins to define the terms for you. And it begins to let you know what's right and what's wrong and what's wrong and what's right. The second thing that it does is it changes your perspective. You start seeing the world in a different way. You start seeing the world bigger than the place that you, you grew up at and bigger than the, how much money you got in your pocket. You start seeing God's system bigger than all of the framing that you grew up with. I'm telling you, it transcends skin color. It transcends uh, socioeconomic status. It transcends where you come from. It transcends your last name. I don't care where you come from. You can be somebody in the house of God. God. You can be somebody in the kingdom of God. And so he starts to open up the house of God, begins to open up your perspective so that you can see bigger than you used to see. Because God's got to separate an individual that comes to the house of God from small thinking. You got to stop thinking so small because God sees you way bigger than you can ever imagine, that you can ever dream, but you got to buy into the kingdom of God. And when you buy into the kingdom of God, there is a redemptive lift that happens where everything about your life gets better. Your job gets better. Your money gets better. You turn into a better employee. You make better grades because you're living for God and doing the things of God. So your perspective or your mind begins to be stretched. And the third thing that he does is God starts opening up all the possibilities that could be. 
this is a big deal. Because all you got to do is see it one time. If God can show it to you in the spirit world, then you can achieve it. And so that's why we come to the church. We get to the church so that the pastor can preach you to another level. He starts preaching things in your life. I remember growing up and my pastor used to say to me, Jermaine, thou mighty man of valor. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't know where I come from. But he saw something bigger. He saw something greater because he had been stretched in his mind and he had this thought and belief that God can do anything with anybody, anybody that will, whosoever will, let them come, let them drink from the well, let them. But here's the caveat. The caveat is that you remain sober-minded. We're not just talking about alcohol, but that's a good place to start. But that you don't be influenced by the voices of the enemy. We talked about this a little bit last night. Young people, that you don't let the enemy start to take root in your mind. Because if the enemy starts taking root in your mind, then he'll let you know that you can't be, that you can't do, that what the pastor is saying is not the truth, that what the word of God is saying doesn't have any merit on the day that we live in. But the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. But it starts with an apostolic getting a hold of his mind and being able to make good decisions because you're sober-minded and you're not letting the enemy get into your thoughts, the enemy play around in your mind. The Bible says it this way, neither give place to the devil. All he wants is an inch because if you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. It's the old saying of the camel's nose in the tent. If you let the camel's nose into the tent, it's not long after that the whole camel will be in the tent. You've got to get an attitude about defending the ground of your mind. You've got to stop letting the enemy rake you over the coals. You've got to start to stand up and fight for yourself. You've got to defend them. You've got to defend the ground of your mind. The enemy is getting in your thoughts and he's starting to bring doubt. He's starting to bring fear. He's trying to starting to bring depression. He's starting to bring all of these things into your mind and he wants to keep you there. And as long as you don't fight for yourself, he's going to take up residence in your mind. But today is the day that everything changes. So today is the day that everything changes. We got to get control of our minds so that we can do what God has called us to do. So we can be what God has called us to be. So the enemy wants to keep you at bay. He wants to keep confusion in your thoughts. And he wants to bring songs of fear and songs of doubt and songs of unbelief and songs of nobody's ever done it before. But once you make up in your mind and get a determination in your spirit that I got to fight for this mind of mine that nobody else is going to fight for. Yeah, pastor may pray for you. Pastor's wife, they're going to pray for you. But at some point in time, as an apostolic, you got to stand up in the house of God and you got to start fighting for yourself. I got small kids and I've been preaching this lately because it really resonates with me. Kids don't know a lot of words, but some of, one of the first words that they learn is they learn how to say mine. That's mine. Give me that. That's mine. They can't make out a complete sentence, but they learn how to say mine. Somebody need to get that spirit on you today. 
You need to get that spirit on you today. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. You're not going to run through my thoughts anymore. You're not going to be able to take residence in my mind anymore. This is mine. It's mine, enemy. Somebody's got to fight for themselves. Somebody's got to stand up bold as a lion, ready to defend this crowd. But the truth of the matter is this. Is that you have to be absolutely sold out and absolutely convinced that this is a fight worth fighting. Faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. But the difference is you have to make a decision to bring the word to where you are. Accept the word of God and start to actualize it in your life. I can't preach you to defend your mind. You got to make a decision in this time and in this moment that I'm going to start fighting for myself. I'm going to start defending this ground. Watch this. David. David's doing what he was supposed to do. He's tending the sheep. And his brothers, they're at battle or supposed to be at battle. And they're down in the valley. And there's a man there by the name of Goliath that's tormenting the people of God. And his brothers were warriors. They understood war. They knew how to fight. This is Saul's warriors. They're a part of the army. They knew what warfare looked like. But this day, Goliath was tormenting them. And the Bible says that, that, that 80 times, 40 times, day and night is 80 times. Goliath came down and tormented the people of God. And so David trots down to the battlefield to bring his brother food. And he brings him the food and just by happenstance, he hears the chants of Goliath one time. And the difference in David and his brothers was that up until this time, Nobody, I said nobody, thought that this was a fight worth fighting. David hears the chance one time, and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistines, Philistine that would deny, defy the armies of the living God? And then he says these words. He says, is there not a cause? You got to be sold out and convinced on your behalf because the enemy is running around in your head. You've got to be convinced that this fight is a fight worth fighting. You've got to defend the ground today. You got to stand up and say, I'm not taking it anymore from the enemy. I'm not taking it anymore from the enemy. Praise God. Praise God. It's time to fight for yourself. It's time to fight for yourself. The devil is a liar. Let me tell you something. When he says you can't, you can. When he says you won't, you will. When he says it'll never happen, it'll happen. Because with God, all things are possible. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Praise God. I got to move. I got to go. I got to move. Somebody said it this way. Watch your thoughts for they become your words. Watch your words for they become your actions. Watch your actions for they become your habits. Watch your habits for they become your character. Watch your character for it becomes your destiny. You've got to defend the ground of your mind today. You've got to defend the ground of your thoughts today. Depression has got to go today. Anxiety has got to leave today. Fear has got to go today. You can stand up in the house of God and start fighting for this mind. God's going to help you win the battle. God's going to bring you through. God's going to set you free. God's going to place your foot on a rock to stay. But you've got to start fighting for yourself. Somebody clap your hands on. Praise God. We have to defend the ground of our family. 
God has put some precious things in your hands. And this ground is ground worth defending. And the trick of the enemy is to tell you that as long as you provide for them, put food on the table, put clothes on their back, put a roof over their head, then everything will be okay. But sir, ma'am, let me remind you today that you have a responsibility to defend the ground. There is a war that's happening in the spirit world on behalf of your family that you've got to engage in. But I need a mom and a dad to stand up on a Sunday morning and say, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. You can't have my babies. I'm fighting for this ground. the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel faith rising in this house. I feel like somebody's ready to raise up and start fighting for your children. Start fighting for your husband. Start fighting for your wife. You gotta fight today. It's an all-out war on the enemy today. Warfare looks a lot like obedience. It looks like Noah building an ark for the saving of his house. While everybody else thought he was losing his mind. Noah, what are you doing? It's never rained before. We've never seen rain. Do you truly believe the God that you can't even see? And Noah said, I got to defend this ground. I got to fight for my family. This is the only hope, and I believe this with everything to my core. I've got to defend this ground. And day in and day out, he made a decision to defend the ground. I'm sure that his children didn't quite understand. When all of their friends was having fun and doing other things, they would go up and say, Dad, what are we going to do today? Son, we're going to build a boat. It's the weekend, Dad. What are we going to do today? We're going to build this boat because I believe the word of God. And when you believe the word of God, you understand that there's some ground that I've got to defend. I'm here to tell a young person, don't get mad at mama and daddy when they say you got to go to the house of God. You've got to get there every time the door is open. They're fighting for your soul. They're fighting for this ground. They're defending the ground today. Oh, we're not going out today. We've got to build a boat. And embarrassed, because I believe if I could take some liberty today, paraphrase it, not really paraphrasing, but paint a picture today. Probably embarrassed because the art project probably set out in front of their tent. And everybody passed by. You're not going to miss this boat. When you pass by on Noah Street, you're going to see the boat. As a matter of fact, you're going to see the boat from the city center. And it was a constant reminder to everybody that Noah is a fool. That Noah's just wasting all of his years building this insignificant boat that God told him to build. A God that he couldn't even see. And Noah spent his time defending the ground. With every blow, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. You can't have my ministry. I'm going to defend this crowd that God has given me. Somebody's got to stand up in the house of God and get an attitude. I'm going to defend the crowd. Praise God. Warfare looks like the children of Israel putting blood on the doorpost. Doesn't even make sense. Doesn't even add up. Why would I wipe blood on the doorpost of my house? How is that going to save my family? 
How is dragging my babies to the house of God going to save their soul? How is showing up on a Sunday morning and on a Sunday night going to save their soul? How is doing my little two-step on a Sunday morning going to bring deliverance? I don't know how it happens, but on Sunday morning, you're going to find me doing my two-step. You're going to find me worshiping and praising the one true living God because it works. I'm here to tell somebody this stuff works. You got to defend the ground. You got to fight for your family. People are looking at them like, what are you doing? You really think that's going to help you? You really think that's going to take you to safety? You really think that's going to help? But with every swipe, you can't have my family. You can't have my ministry. You can't have my breakthrough. You've got to defend this crown today. Because in Noah's day, it all made sense. The moment that the first raindrop fell from the sky. And everybody that thought he was a fool. And everybody that thought he was losing his mind. Was trying to make their way to an ark. That he was building for all of those years. And in the mind of the people it clicked. This stuff really works. This stuff really makes sense. I really need to live for God. I really need to get to the house of God. I really need to fight for myself. I really need to get there and defend the ground of my family. Defending ground looks like a mama on her knees every day praying on behalf of her children. We're living in 2021 School shootings are happening at a high clip in the day that we live in. You're doing yourself a disservice if you're not praying on behalf of your children, praying on behalf of your family. You ought to cover that husband of yours in prayer as he goes out to the workforce and works his job. Daddy, you got to pray for those babies. You got to pray for that wife of yours who wakes up and she's doing the things of God. You got to pray for your family. You got to fast on behalf of your children. You got to fight this fight. This fight is worth fighting. Somebody's got to defend the ground today. It's standing up and saying, I plead the blood over my family. God, protect my babies. God, as they go into this unsafe world, protect my babies. As we walk into grocery stores, it's unpredictable in the day that we live in. God, put a covering about my house. God, put a covering about my family. God, help us. You got to fight for this ground. This fight is a fight worth fighting. I'll never forget... Growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was in the church. On one end, I could go to church. On the other end, I could kind of do whatever I wanted to do. And I remember this tension within my house because mama will be in one corner praying and my dad will walk in the house drunk, hopelessly addicted to alcohol. And I remember the tension in the home, but I'll never forget when my dad made up in his mind, I'm sick of living the way that I'm living. I remember he walked into an apostolic church. He lifted up his hands and he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in Jesus. I'm here to tell somebody, if you're addicted to anything, God can set you free. God's able to break every chain. God can raise you up. You're not a lost cause, baby. God can do a miracle. God can break the chains of addiction. I'm talking about a drunk coming into the house of God that was a functional alcoholic at this point because he had drunk and consumed so much alcohol. I remember him coming to the house of God and I remember him getting the Holy Ghost and I remember all of that stuff going out of the window. And he started making some hard decisions. 
he started cutting friends off. Hey, we're partying at this place. No, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be at the church. And you know what's crazy? Is that when you start to get sober-minded and you start getting control of your mind, that the people that have a clouded mind want to drag you back into the mess that they're still in. But you got to defend the ground. You got to hold the ground. You got to be able to stand there resolute about the decision that you made and say, I'm not going back into the world. I'm not going back into the cesspool of sin. I'm not going back. And he started making some decisions that affected everybody. Because he, he got dead serious about this ground. He came into that house. And everything was good before. I talked about this a little bit Friday night. And he said, we're turning this off. We're not going here anymore. You're not hanging out with them anymore. I'm like, hold on, Dad. Chill. I like it just the way it is. Live both worlds. He said, No, sir, today I'm making the decision to defend the ground. And I'm standing here today because a man got dead serious about the house of God and dead serious about the ground that God had given him. He said, I gotta fight for my family. I gotta fight for my boys. I want you to be something greater than I've ever been. I want you to be something in the house of God. Then we start going to church every service. Like, Dad, it's Friday. He said, no, we're going to church every time the doors open. And he would drag me to church, and I didn't want to be there. And I'm standing there going through the motions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But when you start defending the ground... There came a point in time when God got a hold of me. When God got a hold of me and God saw the commitment that my dad was making and he said, I'm going to honor that and I'm going to put this in your young men. I'm going to put this in those three boys of yours. And today, 20 plus years later, he's got three preachers that are living for God that's got families in the house of God because somebody stood up and defended the ground that God had given them. And nobody understood the decision at the time. But my family, they were like, can you come over here? Can we do this? And everybody was saying, come do this. Come be here. And he said, no, sir. And sometimes, let me tell you this, because I don't want to leave this out. Sometimes when you start defending ground, not everybody's going to want to ride with you. Sometimes when you start making decisions, not everybody's going to be okay with the decision that you made. That's why you are an individual. Sometimes you got to separate from that family of yours. Sometimes you got to separate from those friends of yours. Sometimes you got to get away from everybody that's trying to pull you back to the gates of hell. You got to stand up and defend the ground and start fighting for yourself. And it didn't really make sense to everybody else. But now, when family needs something from God, my phone rings. They said something worked in that situation. And I've got cousins that are messed up. And that could have been my story. I'm not diminishing that. I'll just thank God for a dad and a mom that'll stand up and defend the crowd. I thank God that my dad makes some hard decisions. I thank God daddy made some hard decisions when I couldn't even understand it. But you'll understand it better by and by. And now I'm standing here and I understood what it took to make the decision and what it took to follow through with the decision. And I'm a living testimony that if somebody will stand up for their family, if somebody will say, this is my ground, I'm going to defend it. That, 
This is a fight worth fighting. Young people, you got to fight for yourself. Mom and daddy will pray for you, but somewhere along the line, you got to get this for yourself. I know what it is to be a young person in the house of God. I know what it is to come to church every service and go through the motions like we talked about a minute ago. I know what it is to dress like everybody else and make everybody think I was locked into the things of God. I know what it is, too, to, for God to get a hold of me. I know what it is, too, to get a relationship with God for myself. I'm telling you, there's a distinction in being in the house of God and really living for the God that you're coming to serve. But young person, you got to start fighting for yourself. You got to start defending the ground. We live in a bored generation. I preach to young people for a while again. We cool though, we friends. We live in a bored generation. I was a youth pastor for a long time. And boredom was one of the biggest problems that we had. And in this generation... We use social media to remedy the boredom. Young people like real talk. They don't want you to play games. They don't like fake people. I'm just going to be real this morning. When you get on Instagram and you see on somebody's story, ask me a question. I'm bored. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Ask me a question. I'm bored. Say something. I'm bored. You see this all over the internet and all over Instagram, but I'm going to say something this morning, all right? You can quote Jay Irvin on this one. I want to tell a young person that the enemy is not bored because he's busy defending ground or taking ground that you're not willing to defend. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. The enemy is not bored because he's busy taking ground that you're not willing to defend. You've got to stand up as a young person and you got to start fighting for yourself. Mama can't fight all your battles. Daddy can't fight all your battles. Pastor can't fight all your battles. Pastor's wife can't fight all of your battles. Somewhere along the line, you got to stand up and defend the ground. Because any ground that's not taken, the enemy's going to occupy. If you let him walk in your mind, he's going to walk there. But he's not just going to be comfortable to stay in your mind. He's going to get all up in your emotions. He's going to get everywhere that you will let him go. It's time for some young people to start fighting for yourself. You got to get up and you got to start fighting the fight. You got to fight the good fight. You got to get about the business of God. I never forget growing up, we used to, we lived, we lived in rough situations. And every day you had to fight. And I remember the first time we my brother, my older brother, the boys next door, they jumped on my older brother. And I'm bold. I'm ready to go. I ran in the house. And you know what happened? Daddy was standing there, and I got the greatest whooping of all time. And my daddy told me, he said, don't you ever, this was before my dad got saved, just letting y'all know. He from the street. He said, let me tell you something. If you ever leave your brother again, you, you, you're not going to want to see what I'm going to do to you. You got to learn how to fight for yourself. And I remember the next day, scared out of my mind. I knew it was going to happen that day. I'm like, can y'all just wait a couple months and let me work on my craft a little? Next day, same thing. Jumped on my brother. And so I'm living right here. In this moment... Where it's like, man, what am I going to do? Either I can engage in the battle or I can run away. I'm not running to the house. That's one thing I'm not doing. <laughs> but even if I don't run to the house, my brother's going to let them know that I didn't fight for myself. 
And I'm telling you, young person, that you got to make up in your mind. That day, I had to fight in the battle. And every day after that, I started getting better at the craft. I started getting better at my skill. I wasn't afraid anymore. But that's just a small little illustration of what's happening in the spirit world. If you don't fight for yourself, the devil's going to keep smacking you around. The devil's going to keep grabbing ground that you won't defend. You got to fight for yourself. Bible says turn the other cheek. Just saying. Don't say I'm preaching false doctrine. It starts young though. It starts with little kids. It starts with little babies. It starts as, as early as you can learn how to pray. You just gotta start praying. I love waking up and hearing my kids praying. I love hearing my kids form these little world, these words, and they're watching what you guys do, and my kids want to be just like you. We've got a youth group, and they stand in the front like you guys do. I'm telling you, don't ever stop doing that, because when you stop doing that, there's somebody that's walking behind you, that's watching you every step of the way. You don't have the luxury to take a day off. And it starts young, and somebody comes to the music, I'm almost done preaching. It starts young, young people. As early as you can pray, you got to start to pray. I know the Sunday school's not in here, but I'm going to preach this anyway because I want to help somebody in the Holy Ghost today. It starts young. Young people, you got to fight for yourself. You got to start to pray. You got to start engaging in the spirit world because there's an enemy that's playing for keeps. He wants your soul. He wants your sanity. He wants your purity. He doesn't play fair. So, six-year-old girl coming to the house of God with mama and her sister. And they came to the house of God and lived for God. And all of a sudden, this time ticked on. Mama walked away from the house of God. And the sisters, they got together. She was the younger sister. She had an older sister. They got together and they made a pact. They said, no matter what happens, come hell or high water, we're going to live for God. Time ticked on and ticked on. They were coming to the house of God faithfully. They were getting there however they could get there. They were just trying to live for God. Even though mama had walked away, they had figured out, we've got to fight for ourselves. Time ticked on and all of a sudden, Older sister walked away. And now you've got this little girl who's trying to figure out do I walk away like everybody else did? Or do I hang in and fight for myself? And this little girl under the age of 10 years old, she said, I'm just going to keep on living for God. And she went to her pastor and she said, Pastor, she said, I don't have a ride to church. Can you take me to church? And what you've got to understand is that this little girl, she lived 30 minutes away from the house of God. So it was a 30-minute ride to go pick her up, and it was a 30-minute ride to take her home. On Sunday morning, the pastor, he said, I'll do it. He went Sunday morning, picked her up. He went Sunday night and picked her up, and he spent two hours of his day bringing this little girl to the house of God. She said, Pastor, I'm, I'm 13 now. I just need a ride. I don't want to bother you too much. But if you could just bring me to the house of God. He said, absolutely. We're going to keep bringing you to the house of God. As long as you fight for yourself, we're going to fight with you. We're going to bring you to the house of God. And 13 years old, now he was going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night to pick up a little 13-year-old girl to the, and bring her to the house of God. And you see, that's why you got to start so young, young people. Because today, that little girl is sitting right over there. 
and it's my wife. And right now, God is blessing us to do ministry all over the country because somebody along the way, a little girl, made a decision. I've got to defend this crowd. I've got to defend this crowd. I've got to defend this crowd. Stand with me all over this building right now. feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this house right now. I want to tell somebody that God's going to give you the strength, that God's going to give you the know-how, that God's going to give you the fortitude to be able to stand in adverse situations and defend the ground that he's given you. But I need somebody to respond right now to the word of God this morning and make up in your mind and make a decision that I'm going to defend this ground. I'm going to defend the ground of my mind. I'm going to defend the ground of my family. I'm going to defend the ground of my soul. I've got to fight for myself. Somebody come around the altar right now. The altars are open. I want somebody to come and cry out to God like you've never cried out to him before. I want somebody to get a hold of God on a Sunday morning and let hell know I'm going to defend the ground. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to have my mind. You're not... If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost today, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you're in this house, you've never been saved, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that everything changes. If you've been bound by addiction, come on up to the altar right now.